are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want you to take your Bibles and I turn to Acts chapter 17. And I'm going to read from Acts chapter 17. It's a great chapter. In fact, I like the book of Acts. Let me give you something that'll help you when you're studying the Bible. Never get your doctrine for the church out of the book of Acts. Get your doctrine out of the epistles. And you won't get all mixed up. If you'll get your doctrine, remember that. Don't ever turn to the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is just the history of the church, the early church, and what it did. And uh, if you'll remember that, it'll help you. So don't get your doctrine out of the book of Acts. A lot of people do get a lot of doctrine. That's where they get mixed up and get all, you know, sidetracked and get off on something that's not right. But in Acts chapter 17, I'm going to have you stand in a moment for the reading of scriptures. Ever since January the 1st, I've had people to stand when I read the scriptures. I believe you ought to reverence this book. I don't believe there's a greater book to compare with it. I don't believe there's a book like it, because this is God's book. Amen? And we ought to reverence the book of God. I preached one time years ago on some things that ought not to be in the Bible. And people came and they said, boy, he's messed up now. But I got to preaching and I said, the first thing ought to be in the Bible, you ought to have any four leaf clovers in there. Say amen right there, amen. I said, those little locks of curl hair, you know, you ram it there in the Bible, it ought to be in your Bible. Bible's no place to put little locks of hair. And I said, get some of those insurance policies and all that stuff you got crammed back there. And some of you, you know that nobody's going to bother the Bible, so if you get an extra dollar, you'll stick it in there, because you know nobody's going to get that. Amen? I mean, if you put it in the Bible, ain't nobody going to bother the Bible, and it's a good safety. I mean, it's a good safe place to keep it. But uh, the Word of God, we ought to reverence the Bible. And I want you to stand as you turn Acts chapter 17. Let's everybody stand together. I'm going to begin reading. Read a few parts of Scripture, and then I'm going to have you to be seated. I'm going to pray, and then bring you the message tonight. Acts chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading with verse 4. 4 of chapter 17, the Bible said that some, and some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not moved in this, and took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company. And set all the city in an uproar. Let me stop there, because there's a comment. A lot of people, all they'll ever do is start an uproar around. Amen? I mean the wrong kind of uproar. They'll start the wrong kind. And he said, as he wrote, he said, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, by the way, let me stop you. You know who they're looking for? They were looking for four men. They were looking for Paul, and Silas, and Timothy, and Luke. And they were looking for these four men and couldn't find them. Especially Paul. They wanted to find Paul. And they didn't find them. They went over there to Paul's friend. Now, you better be careful who you're friend to. Because when they come after them, they may get you. And that's what the book says right here. They came over there and assaulted this man Jason's house. And sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These men that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Now notice what the Bible says. These have come out hither also, whom Jason 
hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. They'll find out one day that there's not but one, go with the God, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's read on. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they'd taken uh, of Jason and of the other, they let them go. Now I want you to look back with me, and I want it to be seated. It says in verse 6, it says the latter part, These that have turned the world upside down, and here's what uh, most people don't see when they read this. And not the heart come hither also. Now they didn't mind from turning the world upside down over that where they were, and I'll tell you in a minute. But the thing that bothered them was that they'd come over there and they afraid they're going to turn their world upside down. You see, they don't mind for you doing something down the road, but when you come dig up their potato patch, brother, it gets kind of, you know, it gets sticky around there. And so it says, and they came also, are come hither also. Now let me look this way, and then I'm going to have you to be seated, and I'm going to have you to bow your head forward to prayer. You know who said this about these men? I mean, many times when we read the Bible, we don't know really who said the, what's going on. See, the Bible writes it as it is, just put it down. And, and uh, the scripture says, these men have turned the world upside down. Do you know who said that? Lewd men, baser men, sort of men. I mean, wicked men. Boy, when the church gets told that the devil's crowd out there will say, I want to tell you that bunch up there is turning the world upside down, we'll get tight. What wasn't religious people that said that. They brought them in front of the city council and said, we got an accusation. These men have turned the world upside down. And these wicked men were the ones that had to confess that. Boy, I read that the other day, and that like to bless me to death. I said, the devil's crowd, and everybody else will know when the church is on fire, and when the church does something, brother, I tell you, the devil's crowd will know about it. And these men have turned the world upside down. Now, one other thing, and then I'm going to have you to be seated. And they didn't stop there, and they said, they come hither also. Boy, I tell you, when Jeff over there, we'd be in good shape. But we got them on our hands, and what are we going to do with them? Would you be seated all over the house? All over the house, would you bow your head all over the house? Every head bowed and eye closed. And it says, and these men have turned the world upside down. I like that. Oh, these men have done something great. These men have turned the world upside down. Our Father, we thank you tonight for every blessing of the Word of God. I'm glad that the Bible is still forever and eternally always will be settled in heaven. And I thank you tonight, our Father, that we can read it and we can believe it, we can live it, that we can build our hopes upon the precious Word of God. And I pray, Lord, as we preach the Word tonight, that men and women, boys and girls here at Concord, they get such a vision that, oh, they may be so stirred until they get out of their complacency and out of the apathy and indifference that they're in. And all God, they will realize that the church can march on even today. That God's people can do something now. And I pray, our Father, that you stir every person. Oh, God, may this be an unusual night. And I pray for that man that's backslidden, cold, indifferent on the Lord. Lord, I pray for that precious
righteous lady is paid tonight, and she's not where she ought to be with God. I pray our Father for the church without our revivals again in the midst of the years. In wrath, remember mercy, that thy people may rejoice again in thee. I pray for Brother Sammy and the great load that he carries. I'm glad God is a busy man going up and down this country, weeping over the lost and preaching the word of God. Then I thank you for these other preachers. God bless them and challenge them tonight. Then, Lord, for every hungry heart, I pray that we'll feast at the table of God. And, Lord, all you do for us, everything that you do for us, we'll praise you because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Beloved, tonight, I want to speak to you on these men that have turned the world upside down. I don't know whether that ever struck you right or not. I'm glad the other day when I was reading it, it just jumped out and got a hold of me. And I read it again. And I read it for the third time. It said, these men, who was he talking about? He's talking about the people in Thessalonica. But I want to go back in order to understand this. You've got to know the where, you've got to know the how, you've got to know the therefore of why it was spoken. Let's go back to the 16th chapter and we find Paul praying. Boy, as he is praying, the Bible said God gave him a vision. And in that vision, he saw a man. I'm glad we can see that same man. And brother, every person needs to see that man. If you've never seen Jesus, you missed it all. I'm glad my eyes of peace. I'm I've seen the Lord, and when a man sees God, my friend, it makes a difference in his life. Isaiah said, Woe is me, my eyes have seen the King, and when we see the Lord, it makes a difference. And then Paul heard him speak, and I believe that every man ought to hear him speak. This man was Jesus, and he said, as he talked to through this man, the Bible talks about this lost man, and he said, Come over to Macedonia. And help us. They needed help over there. And so this lost man said, I want you to come, Paul, and help us. And as he talked to him, and as he cried out, come over for help. Oh, Paul got Silas. And then in a few days, they went over to a place called Thessalonica. Now, Thessalonica, they didn't stay there but 30 days. Paul stayed in Corinth a year and a half. I mean, he didn't have to run. But it was so hot. And I mean, the hatred was so against Paul. Until you had to get out in 30 days. But I'll tell you, Paul could do more in 30 days, and Silas could do more in 30 days over there, brother, than most people could do in a lifetime. And the Bible says that they came. But before they came, they did something at Philippi. They went over into the land of Macedonia. The Bible says the chief city was called Philippi. And three things turned that thing upside down. The first thing that on the Sabbath, they're having a prayer meeting down by the river. You talk about a time, children, if I get a hold of God, and old Paul and Silas went down by that river. After a while, maybe Paul and Silas got him started preaching. And the Bible said God opened a woman's heart. You know who that woman was? The Bible said she was a sales lady. She was a seller of purple. And God opened her heart. Men cannot be saved until God opens their hearts. And I'm so glad, praise the Lord, that God 
can open your heart. And when God opened her heart, she believed. And she became a great friend of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad for those that I've seen, Brother Sammy, up and down this country, whose hearts God has opened. And praise God, they're friends. We still got some friends to the old fashioned gospel. We still got some friends to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad everybody's not serving the devil and everybody's not sold out to modernism. And so the Bible said she believed when God opened her heart. And then Paul and Silas go up town. And that's usually when you, when you get in trouble. It was a wicked city. I imagine as wicked as Atlanta. Or maybe even worse. And old Paul and Silas is walking down the street. And a little fortune-telling girl started following up the street. Now let me say fortune-tellings of the devil. All you need to know about your fortune is found in this book. It tells you where you used to be. It tells you where you are now. And bless God, it tells you all about the future. The book of God is that you need to know. And so the Bible said this, this little girl came running along behind these two preachers. And you know what that little girl confessed? She said, these men are servants of the most high God. Boy, let me say this to you tonight. If you live right, and if you walk right, even the devil's crowd's going to say that you're a man of God, you're a woman of God. And the Bible said, this little girl kept following old Paul in silence. And then all at once, Paul turned around and cast the demons of the devil out of that little girl. And you know what she did? She got out of the fortune-telling business. Praise God, when a person gets saved, he'll get in another kind of business. I don't believe a man saved if he's still in the same business that he's always been. When a man gets saved, brother, he'll walk right, he'll talk right, he'll live right. I mean, when they're really saved. And so this little girl got out of the business. And they turned that town. They took old Paul and Silas, beat their backs, and threw them in the fishing. But about midnight, when old Paul said, I'll tell you, we need to contact heaven, they started singing in the prison. The Bible said the prisoners heard them. And while they were singing, and while they were praying, Brother God sent an angel down there. I only tell you that angel got a hold of that jailhouse. And the Bible said there was a great earthquake. And the door flew open and the stocks fell off and God shook that place and turned it upside down for God. But that's not all. The Bible said a splitting jailer, an old hard-hearted jailer, took out his sword and he saw the doors open and he said, my life, they'll probably have put me in jail. My life will be in jeopardy if they escape. And he started to fall on his sword and old Paul said, hey, do not accept no harm. We're all here, praise God. If you know God's people are not cowards, they don't have to run, praise the Lord. You say, well, what happened? Bible said he took a, a I've seen, come in the candle light and fall down before Paul and Silas. And as he falls down before Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And you say, Brother, please, what did Paul tell him? 
He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And thine house, praise the Lord. I'm glad I believe in household salvation. I not only believe that God will save you, I believe you'll save your whole house. And can't you imagine the news traveling the next day? Everybody talking about a little fortune heading girl being saved. Everybody talking about a saleswoman being saved. Everybody talking about a, a man that was a hard hearted jailer. And they said to him, all these men are doing something for God. But Paul actually heard and saw that vision went over to the land of Thessalonica. And when they, he got there, uh, they said, he's hurt. And they go down some wicked, unbelieving Jews. And the Bible said they assaulted Jason's house. They knocked out the windows. They tore down the doors. They dragged those Christians out and said, where's Paul and Silas? And they, they didn't find them. You see, God had hit them. And when God had you, bless God, the devil can't find you. Say amen. Let's I'm glad the Lord had hit them. And the word of God said that these base men, these lewd fellows, took Jason and his friends before the city council. And the city council sat there and stroked their beards. And said, what is the accusation against these men? And you know what they said? These old wicked God-denying men said, these men have turned the word down and have come hither also. And so what a blessing to have wicked men to confess that these men have turned the world upside down. Now if you've got your pencil tonight, I want to give you six reasons why I believe that these men Oh, uh, was such a, a caliber until they could turn the world upside down. You say, Brother Bates, why did the wicked know that these men had turned the world upside down? Number one, these men had a foundation that had never been shaken. But God, when you get established right, and when you get on the rock, Christ Jesus, and when you really stand on the foundation, I want to tell you, you can do something for God. I've never known a church. I I've never known a preacher that ever did anything for God until they got rooted and founded on the foundation that God says there is no other foundation to be laid than that which is laid. For Isaiah said, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a pride stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And I want you to know these men had a foundation that was never going to be Brother, when everything else is gone, if you're standing on the foundation, thank God he'll stand. And I'm glad these men had a foundation that could never be shaken. What a blessing it is to find men today that are rooted and founded and standing on the foundation. The Bible said it's like unto two men in the book of Matthew chapter 7. One man built his house on the sand, and the sand, it'll take and go down. I'm glad the wise man built his house on the rock. And when the wind blew and the storm came, the Bible said the house stood. You said, preacher, what made the difference? One man built on the rock. I'm glad, praise God. In Psalm 40, he lifted me out and put me on the solid rock. And I'm like the little girl when she's testifying. She got nervous and she said to the people, 
He said, my knees may knock, but the rock standing steadfast, I'm standing on. Thank God the foundation. Isaiah said, it's sure. And praise God, you don't have to worry. It's the foundation. It's the unshakable foundation. God was talking through Paul. Paul said to the church at Collins, he talked about the material that we're going to have when we stand before him. And then in verse 11, he said, no other foundation. Brother, there is no other foundation. If you're building on church anything, and if you're building on baptism, and if you're building tonight, brother, on doing the best you can, I want you to know that foundation will go down. But if you're standing on the rock of ages, you can sing rock of ages. Come up for me. Let me hide my shaft in thee. You're to go in and tell the precious old lady what's dying. And as she was dying, uh, the preacher came, and the little nurse said, yeah. I said, I want to tell you something. Said he, uh, said, uh, Amy slipping. The preacher said, what did you say? And the little nurse said, I tell you, I tell you, that, that, that the little lady's granny, uh, Amy slipping. The preacher said, I don't believe it. And he walked over and looked at her, and her eyes was already set in her head. That little saint of God lying there in the bed. And preacher Campbell leaned over and said, Amy, is it true that you're slipping? And she didn't say anything. He said, Amy, is it true that you're slipping? And then her eyes opened up and she started clapping those little hands. She said, shame on you. How you gonna slip when you're hard up in the rock of ages? I want you to know tonight there is a foundation that's both sure and steadfast. And what a great testimony. You say, Brother May, why did these men turn the world up? First of all, they had a foundation that had never been shaken. Secondly, they had a first love that they never left. Now, the saddest thing I've ever seen is a Christian who's left his first love. But the most exciting thing in this world, find a young Christian, bless God, that's never gotten over it. A church that's happy in Jesus. Praise the Lord. With a first love, it's worship. And I thank God for that first love. I, I find some that shout today, and the next time you see them, they've lost their child. I find some brother that praise God today, and the next time you see him, they say, well, I don't feel like praising God. I'm glad I got in this crowd when I first got saved. I had a first love and a thrill, and I never got no bit. Praise the Lord. It's a love that's thrilling. It's a love that's exciting. It's first love. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2 said, I know you, and he says, I know about your labor. I know about how you couldn't stand those that claim to be apostles. You proved them to be liars. He said, I know you. I know your faithfulness. But then he comes on down and he says, but I, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you, for you left your first love. I mean, he said, you don't love it like you used to. You don't pray like you used to. It's not as it's thrilling. That first love love that's vanished. It is sad that we got people all tonight that have left their first love. But what a thrill it is to see a young person get saved. Maybe he can't wait to get to church. I mean, he's here before the door's ever open. Brother, he's standing outside waiting for that door to open. He can't wait for the singing to start. He can't wait for the preaching. I used to have a fellow in my church named Red Williams and he sat on the front right where this brother's sitting. And oh, he's the only fellow I Saw that it eats the gospel. 
I mean, the Bible says, uh, doers of the word, uh, but he'd eat it while I was preaching. He'd sit right there on the front, uh, and he'd reach out everyone to want him. Give me another Bible. Hallelujah. And he'd sit there and just eat it. Uh, and after a while, he'd get good uh, and already slip out of the edge of that pew. Uh, and he'd reach out and say, thank you. Give me another Bible. Hallelujah. Uh, you say, preacher. He's excited about it. Uh, I mean, he couldn't wait to get to the Word uh, and to the table of God. Uh, now, there are too many of us tonight. Uh, and that first love and that first thrill, uh, it's not like it used to be. Uh, and these men that turn the world upside down. They had a foundation that had never been shaken. They had a first love that had never left. I mean, it was still just as fresh to them because the Bible said they continued daily. I mean, they, they never got used to it. They continued daily in prayer and in the Word and in breaking of bread and in fellowship. Brother, it was still fresh to them. And there's nothing like having that first love and being thrilled about it. You give me ten men in this church, brother, that's thrilled and excited. You give me ten women in this church that still got that first love. I'll tell you, we'll have a revival that'll stir this country. And the wicked men will say, oh, they're turning the world upside down over their Concord bankers. My wife's here tonight, and she knows that when we first got married, she had dropped our handkerchiefs. You know, give, give it up a handkerchief. Yeah, you know, you, you, and she said, maybe you, I turned to Thomas Holtz. I pick it up. And said, now, said, I can drop it. And said, bless God, you just walk on. I have to reach over and get it myself. She said, there was a time, Maze, when we'd get, you start getting the car, you'd open the door, and you'd help me get in. And said, now, I have to ask you to stop when we get halfway down the block so I can get my leg in. I thought the leg's still out the door. And you say, Brother Maze, what is that? Now, doctor, talking to Jimmy, you know it's so. But a lot of people, you know something, they used to have that first love. Kind of like the old colored preacher down here named Moses. And he got married. And I said, what's wrong? He kind of scratched his head and said, I lost my appetite somewhere along the way. And did you know there's a lot of people, brother, they used to have an appetite for the word. They used to have an appetite for the church. They had a first love. And listen, nothing will take the place of the thrill of that first love. And the saddest thing in the world is to find a preacher. And he says, well, I used to enjoy it. And I used to shout, and I used to study the word, and I used to preach the word, but I got over my first love. These have turned the world upside down. Not only did they have a love, my friend, that they had in the beginning a first love that had never left, but in the first place, they had a faith that couldn't be shipwrecked. I like that, brother. They believed something. They had anchored their faith in the word of God. Somebody asked me the other night, North Carolina, said, Brother May, what's your creed? Why do you believe? I just handed the Bible. I said, right there it is. Sixty-six books, glory to God. I said, there it is. Thirty-nine in the old, twenty-seven in the new. I said, that's what I believe. The word of God. And brother, when we have a faith that's in the word of God, nothing will shake it. But the Bible says in Second 
Timothy, that some have had their faith shipwrecked. And he said some had been overthrown in their faith. And brother, that's true. We got those today that are a faith record. We got preachers, if you go to hear them, they'll wreck your faith and tell you that you can't believe in the supernatural and the power of God anymore. They'll tell you the blood has lost its effectiveness. They'll tell you that there's no such thing as a new birth, an old time religion. I got news for that crowd. They waited too late to tell me that. Oh, praise God, I know there's something to it. And the blood has never lost its power. I'm glad tonight I'd stand here and say that my faith is not anchored in God. They, I, I never was get one night out Carolina. And a man came down the aisle and his pocket was sticking out. I knew what he had in his pocket. And a man whispered me, he's got a snake in his pocket. And if I'd have known that, I'd have been three blocks down the road, because I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of big ones, little ones, dead ones, and live ones. I'm, I'm afraid of snakes. And that man, said, then I said to the man that told me that, I said, what you got that snake in his pocket for? He said he believes he can demonstrate his faith. I said, he's wrong. God didn't say that faith cometh by him as snakes. He said, faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You say, Brother Mays, I want faith. Take your nose in this book and praise God, you'll find faith. And if you want something to thrill you, turn to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews and begin to read about all of those that had faith and see how they overcame. Read about that catalog of grace and marvelous Christians, bless God, that had all these victories. It says, and by faith, and it says, and by faith, and it says, and by faith, that is by faith. God honors faith. God is pleased to work through faith. And I'm glad, praise the Lord. I believe that when I first got saved, and I've been saved nearly 37 years, and bless God, I still believe it. By faith, it's just like it was, except stronger, because I I've learned to study the Word of God. And somebody said, Preacher, where could these men turn the world upside down? They had a faith that had never been shipwrecked before. They had a fire that had never been quenched. I mean, they wasn't cold. Listen, don't you hate to go to church and it's colder than oh, an iceberg? I want to tell you, I hate to go to church and hear a bunch sing and they sing and you freeze to death. I hate to get up and hear a preacher preach, and he doesn't warn me. I like to feel something, brother, when he's preaching the word of God. I believe that we can. There's a word about the Holy Ghost and about the preaching of the word. You remember what John the Baptist said when he came out? Like honey out of his mouth and sugar cane out of his hair. Matthew 3, you know what he said? One mightier than I shall come. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with F-I-R-E fire. I believe this with all of my soul tonight. The church needs to get on fire. And the church ought not to quench the fires of God. Brother, there's one thing that will settle your problems. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 18, about verse 38, then, T-H-E-N. Then the fire fell. Something had to precede that then. But then the fire of the Lord fell. And when the fire of God falls, I want to tell you something. It'll take care of your problems. When the fire of God is in our midst, brother, the devil can't do anything with a preacher that's on fire. 
He can't do anything with a Christian that's on fire. He can't stop a church that's on fire. No, sir, the devil can't stop that kind of church. But these men had a fire in their souls that had never been cleansed. Let me show you something. You know what that word really means? Now, I don't, I took some, but I, I don't go in that. But you know what the word, word quench is in Greek? I mean, smothered. Smothered! And a lot of people, brother, they take them some old cold deadly leaf and smothered all the fire they ever had out. I want to fan it, bless God. You know, I, I say, I want to fan the fire. I want to get the blaze of burning just a little brighter. I never will forget when I was a little boy. My daddy took me to hear a Nazarene preacher. And that Nazarene preacher stuttered. And he's a, a big old fella. I sat in the back. My daddy said, now, son, you just listen. He's going to say something good. And he's been in a wreck. And he got up. I knew what again. And uh, he got up. He stood up. He said, he said, come my Anthony Hall. I'm going to preach on tonight. He said, I'm going to preach on Jesus. I wouldn't even say he goosebumps ran down my arm. He said, I'm going to preach on Jesus. And brother, he hadn't been preaching for a little while. He told this. And I was a kid sitting in the back of the church. Never have forgotten it. He said, I'm from Oklahoma. And he said, when me and my brother in Oklahoma, we had a hard time. We had to work, get up early in the morning, plow no mule all day long. And said, one day we got a hold of a mule that wouldn't plow. He said, I mean, that mule was covering as stubborn as some of you church members. And boy, I mean, you thought that's stubborn. Did you know that? And he said, that move was stubborn. And he said, I got mad as a little boy. And I got that move of the ear and I bit his ear and he still wouldn't laugh. And he said, my brother said, buddy. And his name was Uncle Buddy Robinson. And he said, uh, and my brother said, buddy. said, you go in the house and get some newspapers. And he said, we'll make that move fly. And he said, I went in the house, got some newspapers. We came back under and piled all them newspapers under that move tummy. And said, we struck a match. And when that fire hit that move, I said, he ain't stopped clowning. <laughs> and did you know I know some churches? I'd like to build the fire of God under. I know some priests, brother, that need the fire of God to be built them. And these men turned the world upside down. Because the fire had not been quenched in their souls. Now I meet the many that are cold and the fire's been quenched and the fire's gone out and brother that's the saddest thing in the world oh, we can a little fire and the fires of heaven will burn number five quickly tonight they had a friend Oh, listen to me, that they wasn't ashamed of. I mean, they wasn't ashamed to tell about Jesus wherever they went. They said, I want to tell you about what he did for me. Why, you take Paul, if you want something to thrill you, read all of the book of Acts. And when you three times in the book of Acts, Paul said, did I ever tell you how it happened? A lifetime out of eternity. A voice from heaven spoke to me and I was smitten to the ground. And Paul testified of what God had done and what Jesus meant to him. I tell you, brother, when we are ashamed of the Lord, we'll never turn anything upside down for God. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, if you're ashamed of me in this sinful and adulterous generation, I will also be ashamed of you. And I want to tell you something is sad to find people that are ashamed of the one that died, ashamed of the one my friend that was raised from the dead and ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, my mother's been dead about nine years, but if the door opened back under and 
you'd start standing there, I'd say to this brother, would you go back come here, and would you leave my mother down and let me hear, let her hear, and then if that door opened, uh, my dad's been dead about nine years, mother about four or five, and if my mother was standing there, and I'd have her led down here, and I'd say, I want you to hear me preach tonight, and then I'd look back, say, Homer, go back and Get my dad and leave him down here. I want him to hear me preach. But if that door would open back on her tonight, and Jesus is touching that door, hold up that nail, pierce hand. I'd say, brother, keep your seat. I'd say, Homer, keep your seat. I'd run back there and rip my arm around him. And I'd hold up that hand and walk down the aisle. Say, here he is, friends. He came all the way from heaven. Died on a cross for me. I'd hold up that nail, pierce hand. I'm saying Jesus is mine, and I'm his, and I'm not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say to you, these men had a friend. Oh, no wonder they could turn the world upside down. They had a friend whom they were not ashamed of, and they wanted others to know that they had this friend. Let me show you something. The Bible says that they took him and put old Peter in jail and beat him, and then they took him out and said, we don't really well, it is, but there's one condition, and if you start talking about and preaching in his name, I tell you this thing here, we'll slap you right back in jail. And just as soon as those fellows found the first street corner, old Simon Peter got up in verse 12 and said, there's no other name in be saved. I mean, they had to tell that name. And there's something about it, bless the Lord. I'm glad I'm not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. And brother, when the church gets to that place, that you go out and say, Hallelujah, I want to tell you about the friend that loved me closer than a brother. And a friend that went with me to the end. And a friend in whom I can depend. No wonder these men turned the world upside down. They had a friend. They were not ashamed of it. And then they, they had something else. And this is what we need tonight. They had a fear of the terror of the Lord. That they, they never got to the place they didn't believe it. Now my Bible said, Paul said, I see you in fear. And scribbling. You know why he said that? He said that because in Second Corinthians chapter 5, he says, he talks about the Lord. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. Brother, these men had a fear of that terror. And they never got to the place that they didn't believe it. You know, many of our churches used to preach on hell. Many of our preachers used to preach on hell. And they used to preach that there's an everlasting, a blistering, consuming, tormenting hell. That there are a lot of churches tonight break your heart. And they preach that this hell has gone out. And there are a lot of Christians that cannot say they believe in an everlasting, consuming, burning hell. Big events across this country said that he no longer believes in the fires of hell were literal. But my Bible said there's a place where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. The book says, and I'm tormented in this fire. The Bible said, these shall go away in the everlasting punishment. I never did know this man. My daddy knew him. But daddy said he couldn't preach a lick. I mean, daddy said he couldn't preach a lick. But then he closed his Bible and went up down the aisle and hollered, Hell! And then he went up down the aisle and hollered, Hell! 
And daddy said, that old mountain preacher cry and say, there's a hell. And then he'd stop at every few and look him in the face and say, folks, you don't believe it. He said, there is an everlasting, consuming, blessing, eternal, burning hell. I want you to know these men that turned the world upside down had a fear of the terror of God for them. And they used that hell was waiting, the lost, and the unregenerated, and the men that went without God. Therefore, my friend, they came and turned the world upside down. I believe this with all of my soul tonight. My friend, when we get to that place that we'll fear for those that are lost because we know that they're going to an everlasting, consuming, burning hell. No wonder these men turned the world upside down. No wonder people said, look at them. Bless God, over they had an earthquake. Over Philippi, a fortune teller got saved. Over Philippi, a saleswoman, a fellow purple was saved. Look what these men have done. They turned the world you know why? I gave you these. Let me come to that last two point again. I want to reemphasize that. They had a fear of the terror of the Lord. And they believed that when a man dies. They believed that when a man dies without God. They believed he'd go to hell. Now brother, they're not many of us that believe that tonight. I mean you don't believe that when your brother dies. Out of God and out of Christ. Uh, you don't believe when that sister in your family dies uh, that's lost, uh, that she's going to beg for water a billion years from now and you'll scream and, and suffer in the flames of the damned. Uh, but these men believe it. Uh, they knew the terror of the Lord. Uh, and brother, they turned the world upside down. Uh, they never got to the place they disbelieved it. Uh, I've heard preachers say, I used to believe it, but I don't believe it now. I was over in Athens, Tennessee, one time in a big tent meeting. We had the Spear family there in a big camp meeting years ago with old Dad Spear. And the Spear family was together. And I never will forget in that tent meeting. Had a man, a Methodist preacher, I loved very much. And he could pray. But he said to me one night with tears, his name was Brother Thorne. He's that preacher. I just can't believe that there's a place called hell where men never die and where they'll burn forever. I looked him in the face and I said, sir, if it's not so, the Bible stops right. I said, because this book teaches it. I said, Jesus preached on hell 13 times more than he did about heaven. I said, you'll find the New Testament over and over again. Talking about the doom of the lost. Talking about the place and the state of the wicked. When a man dies without God, without hope and without mercy. Brother, we better have that fear of the terror of the Lord. These men Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.